All right, we are rolling now, counting us down. Three, two. You're listening to Missing Out with Lex Michael and Tari J. Let's start the show. Hello there, Misketeers, and welcome back to Missing Out. I am Tari J. I am Lex Michael. And if this is your first time listening, what we do here is we introduce each other to different media, whether it be movies, music, television, spoken word, books, experiences, things that have built us up as people, and we hope that in sharing it, it builds you up. We are the retrospective that is introspective. Introspective here having the meaning characterized by or given to introspection, the examination of one's own conscious thoughts and feelings. I know what words mean. Don't patronize me. <laughs> uh, today, oh my gosh, guys, we're joined by Marquia McCarty. Woo! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Uh, yeah, fun stuff. I'm uh, looking forward to uh, conversating it out with y'all. Oh, yeah. And you brought us Netflix's Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events. We're going to be talking about season one. So we're going to leave a little mystery in there. But once we get past the spoiler wall, we're going to make sure like no stone is left unturned. But Marquia... You know, if someone was on the fence, didn't know if they wanted to watch, their house had just burned in a fire, and they're yeah. like, well, what do I watch next? Let them know why it should be this. Well, 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 you know, first off, I'm so sorry for the loss of your home. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> what a note to start off on. Don't worry, their there's TV is, is still intact. Yeah, and then and then I would, um, in the best way that I would have the bandwidth to also console them, be like, hey, 2020, we are all going through this, this existential thing that is the Mercury retrograde, <laughs> this year-long Mercury retrograde that is um, 2020. And then I would say, Hey, I'm sure that you're watching a lot of stuff on stream right now. But one <laughs> of the things is watch uh, Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events, uh, specifically the TV show. We could talk about the movie, which is really great in its own right. But just for bingeable properties, you know, that you could really have a really good, decent time with something that isn't saccharine sweet, that actually deals with loss and just human frailty. And then also, along with that, if you enjoyed uh, Adam's Family, Adam's Family Values, uh, Men in Black Trilogy, Wild Wild West, if you if you like Get Shorty, <laughs> the director, <laughs> uh, Barry Sonnenfeld is the, is the person that uh, directed and was like responsible for um, the TV show. So just so that you know the tone of what you would be watching. Ooh, I feel like you nailed it. If I was recently out of home and I was like, oh, man, what's going to make me feel the way I should feel? I feel like you got it. You could, just the right amount of consoling, just the right amount of pitching, just the right amount of background information. Ooh, Ooh baby. Yeah, if I still had a TV, that's what I would watch. Oh. No, the TV, it's canon that the TV is still intact. Oh, That's, no. it's, no one can. No, mine was, <laughs> mine was, mine was stolen by a dude in a comical disguise. Oh, mm. did, did the it, dude it look recognizable, but just like one thing was changed? <laughs> it might have been Count Olaf. Yeah. <laughs> he was after your TV the whole time. <laughs> A series of long cons. Is that why he tried to marry me on stage? Exactly. He wanted your television set as part of your inheritance, Lex. <laughs> <laughs> Lex, have you seen, read, uh, or was this your first experience with Lemony Snicket, or what's your deal? So I had never read the books. I saw the movie bunch of years ago and I was not familiar with the source material I saw it because I grew up a real big Jim Carrey kid and so whenever he does a movie where he sort of brings some of that energy that he brought in the 90s right like Sonic the Hedgehog say what you will about the Sonic the Hedgehog movie I would say it is worth watching because that is like pure unfiltered 90s Jim Carrey and he brought some of that energy to his performance of Count Olaf and that's what brought me to it and I thought okay 
this is fun, uh, but I felt like without exposure to the source material, I, I didn't necessarily have an inclination towards pursuing more of it. I figured, okay, I got what I am going to get from this property. And so even though I heard good things about this series, uh, I never jumped in and checked it out, uh, assuming uh, for one reason or another, maybe it just wouldn't be for me. A, I was a fool. B, Marquia, thank you for showing me what a fool I have been. As it turns out, not only do I really, really dig what they are doing with this show, it turns out to have been, I think, exactly the show that I needed uh, on, a, on an undefinable emotional level right now. So I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a quick and, and easy convert uh, to this show. Aww. I like that because it's like, seriously, when I stumbled across this, and at first, yes, I definitely stumbled across the the movie first. Well, no, no, no. Let me roll it back. Um, I read the books like I don't even know how many years ago because time is not a thing. 2020 taught me that. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so way back when, read the books. This is way before the movie came out and everything. And then a couple of weeks ago, for some reason, I think it was, I think it was because I watched Mandy again uh-huh. and Nicolas Cage is the most Nicolas Cage in that. Yes. And then I started looking for things where it'd be like movies would be the, like the biggest version of themselves in those movies. And I was about to watch Sonic, but Lemony Snicket's <laughs> a series of unfortunate events for some reason popped up for Jim Carrey first. <laughs> so I ended up watching that. <laughs> So I actually haven't watched Sonic yet, but I will. But I guess you could thank Nicolas Cage for this entire podcast. (laughs) I make it a habit to thank Nicolas Cage for at least one thing every day. (laughs) Yes. All praise the great Nicolas Cage. Yes, It was a series of Nicolas Cage events that happened. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I, uh, I had never seen the movie nor read the books i had heard about them and my roommate was super into the show when it came out and she would tell me how dark and weird it was and i was like i'll put it on the list uh and now you've given me a a chance to really get into it and i uh got so into it that i was like do can can I finish this in the time allotted? And I was like, mm, I can't, but I'm going to go back as soon as we are done recording. Then I also started looking into the book series. And so like the series itself covers uh, essentially each book is covered by a two part episode of the show. And so they are able to do 25 episodes covering all 13 books. And I feel like this show is one of the best book to live action series I've I've ever seen. It feels like it took the pages of those books, threw them at a camera, and it just came to life. I heartily agree. The adaptation on this is like insane. If there's um a meter for it, like an applause meter <laughs> for adaptations, <laughs> yeah. uh, th- this one wins. <laughs> I feel like from the costume design, And the way that the narrator jumps in and out of the scenes, it's so seamless. Uh, The way that the people are effectively embodying these strange characters in in such an earnest way, and they find a way to ground them so well, it's too impressive for me to state within words. If you could see me, I'd be doing an interpretive dance. (laughs) Well, and also highly cinematic, which I was very impressed by because there is a a range of visual technical acumen, let's say, when it comes to streaming originals across all of the different platforms. But this is a highly cinematic presentation, and that is, I would assume, a byproduct of the talent that they brought behind the camera. Uh, Marquia, you mentioned that they have Barry Sonnenfeld directing, but also I got about 10 minutes into the pilot and I was struck by how dang great everything looked. And I checked and sure enough, uh, Bo Welch is the production designer and Bo Welch is a huge uh, resume in features. He production designed for uh, Color Purple, Beetlejuice, Ghostbusters 2, Edward Scissorhands, Batman Returns, which is one of the craziest production design movies of all time. And then yeah, worked with Sonnenfeld a bunch. He production designed all the Men in Black movies and he also did Wild Wild West, everybody's favorite mm-hmm. uh, Barry Sonnenfeld movie. Of course. Or Will Smith yeah. movie. Or Western. 
or movie with spiders. Right? A movie with spiders. Yes. Definitely top top five movies with spiders. Oh my God. Take that arachnophobia. (laughs) (laughs) Take that indeed. Man, if we want to talk about the cast, you know, like in this series, it is nuts. Like the cameos that you have with like people that are just coming out of the woodwork. I mean, Alfre Woodard is one of my favorites. She's um out uh, Aunt Josephine, mm-hmm. and she's just oh okay okay. I'm gonna connect this back to 2020. Just so y'all know, this is gonna be a running theme. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> running theme for me. This woman used to be an adventurous fearless, like intrepid, like explorer of the world. And because her husband was eaten by basically um, piranha that, we'll say piranha, it's not piranha, it's leeches. Right. But like by these water creatures that will feed on you if you've eaten in the last hour. So that's a whole thing to unpack. Right. But Beyond that, like she goes from this outgoing, wondrous person into being isolated into her home, to being afraid of stepping outside of her door, to be afraid of the things that are within her home. And it's just like, that just kind of makes me feel like 2020, Uh (laughs) you know, isolating at home and stuff. You remember how you used to be and how normal used to be. And then now you've just kind of gotten comfortable into what is now and trying to work with that trying to work with the compounds of that. And I just think that Alfre Woodard is amazing. Obviously, I might be reading a whole lot into this character (laughs) more than what is there (laughs) that you will see. (laughs) I own that. (laughs) I do. But along with that, I mean, you have Neil Patrick Harris as Count Olaf, and he's he is just having such a good time. And I love when I see actors having a really good time. Yeah, I feel like he's allowed to play the most out of all of these characters. Like, uh, and, and I feel like his talent really enhances the like through line of how villainous this character is. Uh, and you really, he jumps between conniving and murderous very quickly that I, it gives you kind of emotional whiplash. But he never loses the character, even when he's like layering on other characters, like there's still the the underline of Count Olaf. Yeah. Yeah. He feels also sort of grounded and centered in himself in a way that I think uh, Jim Carrey, as is his want, doesn't necessarily. Jim Carrey feels like very much a cartoon character wrapped in skin and the skin can barely contain the cartoon character. Whereas like Neil Patrick Harris, he's got this crazy amount of focus and energy and sharpness and precision, but also even when Count Olaf is playing X or Y completely ridiculous over the top character, he still feels more like a, just a guy, just a really petty, silly, nowhere near as bright as he thinks he is a vicious little (laughs) bastard of a man. And I really like this uh, sort of juxtaposing the two interpretations of the character um, and seeing how the two different performers approach it because uh, the two are very similar in some ways and completely dissimilar in other ways. Right. So I feel like we are getting to the point where we may start jumping into deep spoiler territory where where we're wading through the water and oh boy, it's it's getting deep and choppy and the the leeches are on the way. So we got to keep them (laughs) at bay by lowering the spoiler wall. Oop, I'm I'm turn cranking I'm cranking the 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 the, the, the to, uh, oh. oh wow there's an actual yep. wall coming up in my uh-huh, in my office uh-huh. right now what the how It's did, really really how, high sorry, effect. how did you do this? <laughs> uh it's a lot of money. It's like something out of Super Mario Brothers right now. <laughs> uh just don't go beyond it cuz there's a wampa on the other side. <laughs> so while we are lowering this wall, we want to take this opportunity to let you know that you can see the show if you haven't had a chance to on Netflix. The All three seasons are there. It's a complete story. So they go from book one to the end, which is episode 25. So highly recommend. While you're here, while we're giving you time to cut off if you don't want to know anything about the movie before going into it you can go on to apple 
iTunes. Well, I guess it's called Apple Podcasts now. Leave a rating and review. It really helps us get to the top of the charts, helps other people find us. As you know, the most potent form of marketing is word of mouth. So use those typey-typey fingers to let people know that you enjoy the show. And we will come back to talk about all the spoilers, the themes, the characters, woo, all of the things right after this break. If I may, right before break. Yeah. Just to those that are with us right now uh, in the non-spoilery territory. And if you're interested in this show, the good thing about this is just like a K-drama, you will get a complete story that happens. <laughs> you will get an ending. Don't worry about the type of ending that it is or where that falls and like your emotional spectrum. Okay. But just having closure and completion is winning. Okay, that's it. <laughs> I think people will really take that to heart. I think that if they weren't sold before by your good pitch, they were like, K-drama, there. Ooh, baby. <laughs> All right, we will see you right after this. All right, we are back, and you know what time it is. Ooh, baby, my favorite time. It's time to bust a recap. <laughs> So, I thought I would take it upon myself, Lex, unless you would like to jump back and forth, baby. Take it. Unless you get bored or tired. Like, if you feel fatigued or dehydrated, uh, you just send up a signal. Okay. Jump All right. I'll take the baton. I'll prepare my flare gun. Uh, Lemony Snicket's a series of unfortunate events. It is narrated by a man named Lemony Snicket, and he is recounting the events that took place in the lives of the Baudelaire children. We have Violet. We have... Oh, boy, I forgot his name, and I'm stupid. We have uh, <laughs> Sonny. <laughs> Stop laughing at me. <laughs> What is the boy's name? It's uh, Klaus. Klaus. It's Klaus. It's Violet, Klaus, and Sunny. Violet, Klaus, and Sunny. Oh boy, I like <laughs> you got you needed water already. No, you I just hydrated before you started. No, it's fine. It's like think Klaus like Umbrella I know. Academy, but not. I know. <laughs> like I had it, and then my brain was like, "We don't need this, right?" And it just dumped it really quickly. <laughs> All right, so we have the Baudelaire's. We got Violet, Klaus, Sunny. And they suffered a loss. Their parents died in a fire. Their whole house went up in smoke. And now the bank is like, hey, we found this strange guy to come take care of you. And they're like, we have relatives. And they're like, mm, I think he's related. Who knows? And so they go to stay with this guy. And he's like, do all my chores. I'm, you get all the worst things. And I just want your fortune. I hate kids. I hate you. I hate your parents. And I'm probably going to kill one of you guys. And they're like, ooh, that seems dangerous. And then they try to tell Mr. Poe, who works at the bank. And Mr. Poe is like the dumbest guy you've ever met and so uh anytime they tell him i guess he's not dumb he just doesn't care to believe kids uh and that's his big issue is that he doesn't believe children and so every time they try to tell him about this the squalor that they're living in he goes nah <laughs> and so then Lemony's like yo i have a plan i'm gonna marry violet and because i'm her guardian I can say it's okay, even though she's super young and below the marrying age. And everyone's like, hell yeah. And so they try to have this a- Georgia. Sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, that was completely unfair. And I retract that. And I'm sorry for any uh, citizens of America, Georgia, that heard that. Because yeah. there are other states that have a ridiculously low marrying age as well. And you should not take the brunt of that. That's true. Uh, you know, but it would take us the whole show to list them off, Alabama. Um, and so, you know, if we were going to try to get Louisiana in, in, in trouble. That's a different show. I'm sorry for interrupting. <laughs> Go right ahead. No, I like this game, Kentucky. Um, so, but no, basically, they stage it as a play and they're like, oh boy, we're going to get this child marriage going. And, but they're foiled because Klaus is like, I read books, which is a reoccurring theme in the show is that Klaus likes to read things and foil plans and Violet likes to invent things and also foils plans. Sunny's whole thing is that she likes to bite things and it also 
ruins plans. And so, once Count Olaf is foiled, he's like, I'm going to chase you forever, which begins the formula that we have for the first season where they get put in a new place and Olaf shows up uh, in disguise and then he's like, ooh, I'm going to kill your guardian and find a way to take guardianship of you so that I can get your fortune. And so uh, we go through a series of crazy schemes where... Klaus and uh, the Baudelaire's, well, Klaus and Violet, decide that they're going to use books, experience, and gumption to foil him. So then we get the reptile room where uh, Olaf kills their, their, not uncle, but like family friend Montgomery Montgomery, which is sad because I really like that character. Um, and this show oh, has, yeah. I know, this show likes to do this thing where it... Uh, comes up to you and is like, wouldn't this be a great person for the kids? Too bad they're dead. <laughs> and so I endured that. The books do the same thing. It's like that I giveth and I taketh away. And it's just like, isn't that kind of life? Which is why you kind of recognize <laughs> <laughs> You know, not to get morbid or like existential or anything, but it's like, yeah, that's kind of life. We're, we're to be like, hey, this would be a really good thing, but yeah, I'm going to take it away. There's a great thing after it, but I might take that away too. But there's a great thing after it. Right. Yeah. It's a One could say life is a series of unfortunate events. Mm, that's eh? what you did though. Eh? Oh, okay. Well, I'll see myself out, guys. Uh, that was That's the peak comedy here. Um, <laughs> uh, Lex, I'm getting hoarse. I'm getting thirsty. I'm getting tired. Oh, Lex, well. Lex, <laughs> Lex, Lex, I'm getting... Thirsty and tired. Well, you ran really fast. I had to get the water into the little cup, and okay. I'm, I'm running. I'm running to, to catch up to you. So, uh, <laughs> do you? No, the you, gotta, you gotta <laughs> help me. You gotta help me. Okay, I've, I've had water now. You're done. You're done. Okay, so now we get to uh, Aunt Josephine, Marquia's favorite character, who is also my favorite character because she's super grounded and super understandable. Her state of affairs but she is uh, a grammar uh, control freak and she lives on the edge of a cliff in a small like lake town city and uh, her husband died and now she's scared of the world around her and she finds a new love which is also tragedy because it's Count Olaf in a beard and an eye patch which uh, makes him completely unrecognizable it's crazy and so she ends up being murdered, and that's sad, because I also, I, I liked her, and I wanted good things for her. But she ends up being killed by dramatic irony, because she was afraid of those leeches, and then she gets thrown into the water, because she just had a banana. Just a banana! And then also, you know, corrected Count Olaf on his grammar, so then he just kind of know. Why? back into the water. You know, you know what? You know what? I'm so conflicted on her death because on the one hand, <laughs> if someone corrected me on my grammar and I had the opportunity <laughs> and I was Count Olaf. I mean, I will say, yes, she was very rude how she corrected people's grammar because she was always like, no, you're wrong. It's this thing and I hate you. And I get it because it's, it's her, the thing that she became obsessed with. It's like, if someone's just started anime and you were a horrible gatekeeper and they were like, oh man, I love the younger Elric brother. He's a robot, right? And you're like, he's not a fucking robot. He's a spirit inside of a suit of armor. It's the same <laughs> feeling. I get it. Okay. Um, Elric aside. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, I'm oh. not going to tone police or anything, but yes. but I just know that I don't, I can't, I can't with people that correct grammar like that. But for for her, like in no, general, and just like uh, expanding it out to the other guardians that they do, and I'm I'm restricting this to the the first season that comes with uh, Lemony Snicket in general, and um, you you just have these these possible guardians, yeah. and it's like. They're great, except for this one big thing. And that just kind of seems to happen 
um, with all of them in this uh-huh. in this in this first season, except for no, 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 it happens with all of them. I was thinking a miserable mill, which you hit like in the later part of the season, where it's like their guardian isn't necessarily a person yeah. so much as it is that they are <laughs> they are child labor. <laughs> Uh (laughs) Um, along with everybody else though but they do have a um what is it they have a sympathetic ear um with the co-partner of miserable mill it's not called miserable mill oh my gosh what is it called oh yes uh lucky scent or lucky lucky smells um which is a lumber company not like a cigarette company which i was the first thing i would think of with lucky smells oh of course because of lucky strike right yeah Yeah. miserable mill is the episode name yes part one and part two yeah 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 they got that alliteration for y'all hell yeah yeah. so Um, you bring up those two characters and it feels like they were heavily implying that they are romantic partners, but never go out of their way to overtly state it. Am I reading that correctly? I'm sorry, which characters are you talking about? Um, Sir and his partner. Oh, I actually really appreciate that. I hadn't thought of it in that way. I thought of it as one, I thought as Sir, like uh, taking advantage, like a lot of advantage of um, his, his partner. Right. Oh my gosh, what was his partner's name? Yeah, um, it was Reese Darby, who was Charles. So yeah, wow, Sir and Charles. Charles needs to do better for himself. Oh, 100%. Sir does not appreciate him. Totally taken for granted. Yeah, that relationship was, I would say, toxic as hell. Yep. Even if it wasn't romantic, which I feel like was the heavy implication, they have such a, a gross like not even codependent because maybe codependent the way that sir treats him basically like a a lap boy who's just there to do his errands and make him omelets where it's like charles deserves so much more respect and he cares about the workers and he cares about like the business itself but he doesn't get the ear of sir because sir doesn't respect him and i hate that yeah but you know what the thing of it is is that charles is not without power he's just you know kowtows to to sir and it's like he could have changed things around and i'm talking about charles uh in this instance and he kind of chose not to like i said these guardians could be great if it wasn't for one big thing thing one big thing which i just think like is that adults in general that's just (laughs) it is though i feel like it's usually not just one big thing i mean but usually it is there is always like a thing that you're like oh man this person is like even the people that you love you're like i love this person in spite of these faults and because like no one's perfect and so i like that the guardians do have I, I would say a, a spectrum of acceptable to unacceptable faults. Like Montgomery Montgomery, his big thing was that he's just obsessed with reptiles and he's real quirky. Um, and like, if you hate reptiles or you're, you're scared of them, then like, that's a big unacceptable fault. But if you're like, oh boy, I love snakes, then effectively like that's a bonus. Whereas like, you get to the middle ground of uh, Aunt Josephine and she, you know, she's going through stuff. And so her like big thing beyond the grammar piece is that she is basically, you know, recovering from trauma. And so you have to kind of figure out how to navigate that. And so that to you is depends on where that falls on the spectrum and then you get to like, sir, which is you're like, oh, this this is almost as toxic as like the most bad part of the spectrum, which is Olaf. And you're kind of hanging around in, in those areas. You were talking about sir. And I that really makes me want to talk about the themes of the show in that like sir feels like this idea of 
it's capitalism. This may also be my 2020 self-talking, but he feels like all the, the shortcomings of capitalism where he's like, oh boy, if there's something I can exploit, I'm going to do it for, for the money. <laughs> if there's kids need to be working, oh, I don't have to pay them as much. They consume less gum. I'm going to make these kids my primary resource. Um, and I feel like you get that with a lot of the different guardians. Yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> like I said, one of the right. number one reasons why this series resonated with me so much was just like 2020 themes, just like, you know, uh, smacking us in the face, you know, for, for this entire year. And there's a lot actually, depending on your bandwidth of how far you want to go into things, or if you just want to just like, I'm just going to enjoy this show that isn't too sweet or too sour kind of a kind of a deal yeah with this there's a lot of themes with that i mean if we're going to continue with like miserable mill with uh sir and charles and you literally have these workers who are working for gum they're working for gum but mm -hmm. they believe they they've been brainwashed to believe that this gum is a type of currency that this is what they should be paid in. And I mean, <laughs> it's not a really long stretch to go that to, uh, you know, the currency that you're paid in to, to work for things and that how you will be paid to less. I mean, like below minimum wage for what you are doing mm -hmm. for, you know, this, this front line of essential workers that we have here and, and they're, they're being paid below minimum wage, but we're relying on them like so much right now. <laughs> we rely on them all the time, but we're really realizing who we rely on when we can't leave our houses, when we're stuck in like death stranding universe, you know? Um, Hideo Kojima, <laughs> this is this is the era right now when we're when we're stuck in these times. And the fact to have these brainwashed workers that you know, they're going to the optometrist, basically like drinking the Kool-Aid, uh, to then go back to work again. I mean, that's going to strike a really huge chord. I'm so glad that they break free. And uh, it just makes me think of the ways that we're trying to break free this year. Yeah. Beyond the scope of like essential workers, like even when things weren't in crazy pandemic times, like it also speaks to the general corporate culture where the gum is produced from the trees that they are uh, destroying. Right. And it's just this extra perk that you get in, in exchange for loyalty to the company, which is like what a lot of current companies do, which instead of paying you like fair wages and, and get letting you have a, a good work life balance, they're like, Ooh, but we will give you a pizza party and there's also donuts every Friday. Uh, and in exchange, you, you're going to work, uh, you know, a 60 hour week, right? And we're going to pay you for 40 hours because like your salary. But like, oh boy, look at all the perks you get. Isn't this great? You love this company. <laughs> you know, you don't need to see your family. Six, 60 hours? You conservative. I <laughs> And I realize I just got real deep for this wacky podcast. I regret nothing. Oh, boy. That's on par. That's what we do here. I have been uh, sitting here patiently waiting for the wackiness to cease so that we could have <laughs> some real deal, no bullshit grown up talk. Hell yeah. Lay it down, Lex. Lay it. G give us that. <laughs> give us that sweet, sweet Marxist thing you, you do. No, do you know what it is, though? I mean, look, I, I agree wholeheartedly with everything both of you guys are saying, and that's why I have been so uh, content for a couple of minutes to listen to you guys, because I, I said, you know, uh, at the beginning of this conversation, I felt like this show, very unexpectedly for me, was exactly the right show for me on an emotional level in this moment. And it's all of the things that you guys are talking about where, of course, uh, Lemony Snicket, when the original books were written, could not have been writing with our current situations in mind. But so many direct lines from these story elements, these themes, what these characters are experiencing to a version of what we are all experiencing in the present. But also something that uh, really just struck a chord with me that is an extension of all of the above is that almost every single adult character uh, 
uh, while the kids who are under the greatest amount of duress and the greatest amount of danger at all times are generally able to maintain a believable inner calmness for the most part. Every single adult or almost every single adult character seems to be battling aggressively and it's a losing battle with these just awful crushing inner demons and regrets and sadnesses. And they're just so, so barely keeping them together. And something about that, I I don't know, something about that just just strikes a chord (laughs) with me. I don't know what it could be. Could but, it be drinking but... the Kool-Aid? Could it be drinking the Kool-Aid, Lex? Could it be the entire theme on this podcast? Because I think it is. <laughs> I mean, but that's that's a big theme in from what I remember the books and also throughout the show is this idea that these kids, they use furthering their education and their knowledge to solve problems, whereas the adults tend to just uh, let authority, they just, they blindly believe in the authority around them and everything that people who are adults and who are supposed to know what they're talking about are telling them. Whereas like these kids are providing actual factual proof and they are not being believed because they are kids, which is for me frustrating for them but they're they're handling it as you were saying lex with such a an amount of dignity and like calm restraint that i you have to respect it but also you got to feel bad for like these kids having to grow up so quickly oh absolutely yeah no it's so unfair it's so unfair but everything is a whole lot of unfair um uh, one of the things with uh, that i run into with my my horror podcasts um, in our demographic skews young, you know, um, uh, Gen Z and the such. Mm-hmm. And some of the things that they they tell me with stuff is just like, oh, my God, <laughs> it's just people not taking them seriously. Like like their view of the world doesn't matter. Right. It's like you're in this world, too. Of course it matters. If anything, you being able to view the world in a different way than I have been brought up to view it is the very thing that can help us move forward. Mm-hmm. So having these these kids in um you know in a series of unfortunate events um Violet, Klaus and and Sunny and I think I think Sunny is everyone. <laughs> Sunny is everyone. <laughs> um, with having this and and the trials and tribulations that they go through when they're trying to convince the rest of the world. I mean this is this is something that I I keep on bringing up in conversation whenever anybody starts talking, you know, Gen X, Gen Z, millennial and stuff. And I'm, yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Um, millennials are Charlie Brown, right? <laughs> um, we're totally convinced that we're going to kick the football this time when Lucy pulls it away, while Gen Z knows that we're in a freaking comic strip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is. Interesting. We have to... We should, I'm not going to say have to, we should listen to their perspective on things. I agree. <laughs> we have to, we need to. To like draw a real life comparison and make it sad again. Like it reminds me of how when these kids were being murdered in their schools and started speaking out about it and talking about their experiences, people kept coming up to them being like, you're lying, that never happened, it's a conspiracy, you're all fake, you're not even real kids, we don't believe you, guns are good, I value guns over your life, you stupid young kid, what do you know about life? And it's like, I had to watch my friend die in front of me. Like, I, 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 these are my life experiences, but because of their age, they are immediately disregarded. I would just hate to get that old where you are starting to discount other human beings experience just because they haven't lived here as many decades as you have. That's just weird. Right. That's weird. And that's something to be checked. And I'm going to, I'm going to stand by that and I will gladly be checked on that. If I forget that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Everyone's going to tweet you in like 20 years and be like, yeah, 
be like, hey. <laughs> I think that there is a, a degree within some people of I, I need to do everything possible to ignore the bad thing, pretend the bad thing isn't real. Because if I acknowledge the bad thing and I then do nothing to stop the bad thing, I am then complicit knowingly in the bad thing. And I wouldn't be so the bad thing must not be real. And yes, uh, Marquis, I agree with you. People should check that shit. Well, we we all want to believe that we're not bad people. And I, in a way, I kind of feel like uh, movies and books and television and politics have kind of painted that in a certain way where it's um, you are good mm -hmm. or you are bad. And if you're with us, you're good. And here's the ways that you're good. And if you're not with us, these are the ways that you're bad. And it doesn't work like that. Good people do bad things. Bad people do good things. Mm -hmm. And even just saying good or bad people is not accurate. It's literally a, a, a sum of these experiences that we do. And one of the things that I live my life on is trying my best not to do irreparable harm to others. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know I will hurt others and I do not mean to in, in the, in the best case of it. Um, but I never want to cause irreparable harm to others. Right. So bringing that back around to the lightness, that is uh, a series of unfortunate <laughs> events uh -huh. by Lemon Snicket. <laughs> uh, season one in particular, uh, yes. going back to my point of Sonny being all of us. <laughs> Where I enjoy the character of Sonny so darn much, y'all. Uh, Sonny Baudelaire, uh, for those that um, are joining us in this spoiler event and uh, are not really sure who she is or the glory that is Sonny, um, she, her, her major talent is biting things mm -hmm. and biting things with purpose. And I just love a character that it's like, She's she's so integral to so many things, and it's literally because she is doing what she is put on this earth to do at this particular time. Sunny <laughs> is the Beyonce <laughs> <laughs> of, of a series of unfortunate events. <laughs> That's a hot take. That's a, it's a real hot take, and I like it. I'm going to use that to warm up my tea. It's so hot. Um, but uh, I agree. Like, I feel like uh, Sunny is the moral compass. And, like, she's the provider of sass. And she always sees through everything. And, and, like, though not everyone can understand what she's saying, like, she is voicing everything that we as the audience also feel. Um, I also love how just wickedly clever she is like there's a moment in the second episode where she's trapped in a cage and she tricks the man with hooks for hands into bringing her to the theater because she kept beating him in poker she got so good at <laughs> poker oh my god oh girl she's a hustler she's been playing poker for years you know she's she been if vegas was a thing in this world yeah, she's reading that genetic code. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. I really enjoy that character. I think there's a, a running theme, or not a running theme, but there's a running bit in this season where we think that we're about to meet their parents who we think have survived the fire, and it turns out to be some other kid's parents. And it's they're played by Will Arnett and uh, Colby Smulders. I uh, I just wanted to say that I really liked that uh, twist because I kept being like, oh, man, they're 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 going to come get their parents. And then the, the show slash book did it to me again. It was like, hey, do you like that rug under your feet? That's too bad. And it just pulled it out and I fell on my face. <laughs> <laughs> that said, we are running low on time. So this is our chance to. Talk about any last things that we loved, any final thoughts, any last pitching that if, if someone's on the fence and you're like, oh, they should know that farts stink. I don't know. Then this is your chance to say it. Any last final thoughts, Marquia? Uh, sure. I, I mean, uh, Montgomery, Montgomery was brought up a few times. For those that aren't, aren't familiar with the cast that's involved, um, that's Asif Mondvi 
Uh, you might know him from uh, The Daily Show. He was a correspondent on that for a bit. Um, he's done a number of other things, I'm sure, but that's where I know him from. So that's why I'm saying that. Yeah, he brings a really nice warmness to that character. Um, along with that, episodes that I would recommend is like we brought up um, Alfre Woodard and Aunt Josephine a lot. That's The Wide Window, part one and part two. Uh, I believe that's the fifth and sixth episode, I'm going to say. I don't think it was earlier than that. And with that, I just, like I already said, I really enjoy being able to resonate with the fact of this woman just being different during this different phase of her life. And I really, really enjoy her being scared of things in her apartment and then those prophetically becoming true. And it's just, um, they, they mark on it a lot during the movie and uh, a little bit less in the TV series, but it's still, it's still really good. You just, you feel frustrated for her and then also working with her. So yeah, just, just have a good time with the series because uh, it feels like such a 2020 thing to watch for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I agree. Oh, also, mm. Montgomery and Montgomery, the actor played uh, General or Commander Zhao in the last Airbender movie, which doesn't exist. Oh, wow. Yep. Wow. Did y'all hear um, the creators backed out of? Okay, that's another <laughs> podcast. That's another I did, podcast. and I'm sad. <laughs> Lex, do you have any last thoughts before we wrap up? I do. My thought very broadly is, uh, Marquia, thank you, A, for being here, but also, B, for giving me a new show. I am absolutely going to watch the entirety of a series of unfortunate events. This, it really did. Like, it, it hit a very specific place within me that I feel needed to be hit uh, at, at this juncture in the year of our Lord 2020 when everything is on fire and horrifying. This felt like... Okay, there's a little bit uh, relatively early in the season where uh, Patrick Warburton, as the narrator Lemony Snicket, pauses the story as he does frequently. And he essentially says, you know, it helps him as he's going through uh, himself, uh, his research, his notes, the story of the Baudelaire children. Uh, when it becomes too overwhelming, when it becomes too uh, emotionally suffocating, he puts down the papers and he has a, a sip of tea or a, another strong beverage. And it allows him to essentially decompress before, you know, returning to taking on that giant emotional burden again. And I feel like. Netflix's Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events is my cup of tea or other strong beverage <laughs> right now. I am really glad that I, I now have this show to watch and I absolutely plan on watching the entire thing. Also, yeah, the cast of this is insane. Uh, I didn't look up any of the cast before I watched. All I knew was that it was uh, Neil Patrick Harris and the girl who played young Supergirl for like seven episodes of that show. So every time a face showed up, it was so exciting to me. Um, you know, like when, when Joan Cusack shows up as Justice Strauss, had no idea she was going to appear, was super hyped. When uh, Catherine O'Hara shows up, I am always very excited to see Catherine O'Hara. Did not know she was going to be in this. She is one of the most genius comic actors that there ever, there ever has been. And so uh, always a pleasure to see her. Don Johnson and Reese Darby as Sir and Charles. I'm big fans of, of this entire ensemble that they put together. Also, Catherine O'Hara uh, is a crossover from the movie because didn't she play? If I'm if I'm remembering correctly, she played the Justice Strauss character did. in the movie, didn't she? As far as I remember, unless I'm living on a different timeline right now. Nope, you're right. But yeah, as far as I know, Catherine O'Hara was Justice Strauss. <laughs> so that's fun. Anyway, yes, uh, I am. Uh, I became a fan very quickly, um, and so I will be finishing this out because there's a lot that is resonating with me in very surprising and yes, uh, uncomfortably timely ways. Awesome. All right. So Marquia, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us and bringing this into our lives. If someone wanted to keep up with you, oh my gosh, where could they find you? <laughs> um, yeah, well, I'm on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Marquia McCarty. Uh, that's M-A-R-K-E-I-A-M-C-C-A-R-T-Y. I'm a host and a producer. I'm a host for Something Scary, which is a horror podcast. <laughs> uh, we also drop uh, animated horror episodes every Tuesday. You can find that at youtube.com slash snarled, S-N-A-R-L-E-D. 
along with uh, the hosting and producing, I'm a host and producer for Hunters Entertainment. We are a uh, role-playing game development company. And by role-playing game, I mean tabletop role-playing games, uh, such as uh, Dungeons and Dragons, are specifically for us. Uh, licensed properties like Altered Carbon, or maybe you've heard of um, Outbreak Undead, which is zombie survival. So we have shows um, Tuesdays and Saturdays on Twitch. Uh, Just look up Hunter's Entertainment. And I play on Tuesdays and I produce and host the show on Saturdays, which is called Hunter's Gathering. So yeah, I hope to see you there in the chat. And just let me know that you found me via this podcast and I'll make sure to do something fun for you. <laughs> awesome. Uh, we will put your plugs in the description so people can get there super easy, super fast. Uh, Lex, where can people find you? I am on Twitter and Instagram at the Lex Michael, And I also do a podcast with my partner, Marianne Ramish, and we call it Friends with Benefits. On this podcast, we break down the entirety of the massive pop culture juggernaut that is the television show Friends. Marianne is a big fan. I am to date not. And we're going to go episode by episode, breaking it down from a fan perspective and a critical perspective. That's right. All 7,428,806,004 episodes of Friends. Uh, It's streaming on HBO Max. You can watch it along with us, but come check it out. We're having a blast doing it. Uh, It's called Friends with Benefits. You can find that wherever you find your podcasts. And uh, Tari J, where can people find you? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Tari J. That's T-A-U-R-I-J-A-Y. Also, if you are on Peacock TV, uh, why don't you go on and search for something called Curious Questions. Uh, I was able to do a voice on that, uh, narrating all the lessons that you learn with Curious George. Please find it. Please watch it so we make more episodes. Aw, yeah. But most importantly, you can find this podcast at Missing Outcast. That's M-I-S-S-I-N-G-O-U-T-C-A-S-T. And next week, we are going to be continuing slash concluding this month's theme, which is All in the Kool-Aid with Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. And we hope that you stick around for that. And also, just one last thank you to Marquia. This has been a pleasure. Uh, Thank you for all the laughs. Thank you for all the joy. Thank you for being a friend do 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 oh, oh this has been such a pleasure thanks thanks for letting me rant a bit <laughs> oh yeah that's what this show is for you ever you ever want to rant you come back all you got you just do it under the the preface of a, a media and then you just rant as much as you want <laughs> but until the next time this has been the retrospective that is introspective and now you have a new perspective And I am back with the little paper cup of water, Tari. Glug, Drink this little cup glug, of water. Glug, it's rainwater. Glug, it's good for you. Glug, it's got minerals. Okay, cool. Now to continue, finish <laughs> summarizing the show. <laughs> it's so clean. Oh, it's so ooh, clean. Is that chowder? Hey, is that chowder <laughs> over there? Nom, 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 nom. Nom, 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 nom. It's some good chowder. I don't know if I should say anything right now, but I'm enjoying this. He thinks it's chowder, but it's just rainwater with stuff in it. (laughs) That makes it so much worse.